Pushing through the market square So many mothers sighing News had just come over We had five years left to crying News guy wept and told us Earth was really dying Cried so much his face was wet And I knew he was not lying I heard telephones, opera house, favorite melodies I saw boys, toys, electric irons and TVs My brain hurt like a warehouse, it had no room to spare I had to cram so many things to store Everything in there, and all the popcorn and people And all the tall, short people Never thought I'd need so many people Girl my age went off ahead Hit some tiny children The black eyed and pulled her off I think she would have killed them Soldier with a broken arm Fixed and stare to the wheels of a Cadillac a cop knelt and kissed the feet of a priest And a guy threw up at the sight of that Think I saw you in an ice cream parlor Drinking milkshakes cold and long Smiling and waving and looking so fine Don't think you knew you were in this song And it was cold and it rained So I felt like an actor Seeker? Arlo Guthrie? No. No. Not Bob Dylan. <coughs> yes. I uh, I got the guitar up the mountain, and the way I did it was I had my daughter carry it for me. You know, for a uh, for a six-month-old, she's pretty strong. John Mollison? No way. John Mollison, my writing partner in crime. Hey, Vicky. Hey, Lee. Hey, Scott. Hey, Alan. 
Gary's Wonder, good morning. Deanna Dahlia, Indian Rocks Beach, Florida. Ah, oh, you know the names in Florida are the best. Come on, anybody got this yet? Anybody got that song yet? Scott says, love to hear the 50 million years song, or however long it was. <laughs> I'll have to play that. Um, <laughs> Scott says, I just want to check out a life and garden and listen to good streams. You know, I was going to do this earlier in the day. I was shooting for the 3 o'clock window. But I took one of my sons and I went over to a, a friend. And the friend had a few old stands of bananas where the bananas have gotten really thick and clumped together. We got mic static, you're saying? Well, let me see. Um, I switched this thing. Okay, let me let me check it. One second. Try this. Is that better? <clears throat> let me know if the mic is not better. So, Curtis Stone or David the Good? Oh my goodness. Hello from Western North Carolina. So this, uh, what I ended up doing, instead of doing this thing earlier like I wanted to, what I was going to do is do it in the, you know, in the afternoon while it was still a little hot and then go back and do some gardening. But I got doing some, uh, um, I ended up digging these, these bananas out and then afterwards um, we uh, ended up drinking a couple of beers at a shop because it was open again. So I ended up drinking beers and talking about fishing with a couple of fishermen. <laughs> Everybody is like so tired of lockdowns uh, that that basically like any any place where there's other humans is a nice place to hang out and and so ended up loading up the back of the car with bananas and then going out and having a couple of beers and then coming back and having some coffee and having a little bit of late lunch and then here we go so okay only stack only static when the music maxed out though that was the problem five years oh, sorry so, hello from South Dakota. Hello from here, my YouTube channel, from here. Um, it's really funny. It's it's funny, sometimes people have these names, like my YouTube channel, that's 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 funny. There was a, there's a guy that writes me now and again, and I don't know if you're watching, but he always writes me with gardening questions, and it's like the, res, you know, the respond, the respond name on the email is, is like, Microsoft.com development and I'm like do you work for for Microsoft or whatever and he's like I don't know what you mean I'm like well your email send name is always the same you know Microsoft development and, uh, and he's like no I don't know where what you're talking about but it's like you've got to change the name you know like like the actual name is something you know um, I, I sell hotcakes 101 or something like that, but but the the response name on it, like you have to go in and change that data when you set up an email account. So, <clears throat> um, it's funny. What is this beers that you speak of? Oh, just cheap local stuff. Cheap local beer. Um, so, hey, Mama Woods, welcome. Scott says, just re-upped my fishing license to get food and fertilizer. Yeah, it's, I mean, the, the double benefit of fish, you get to eat the fish, but then you get to compost the remains and make the best gardening fertilizer in the world. So you say Rachel or Raquel from Cornwall? I've always wanted to visit Cornwall. I did some reading on that. It sounds amazing. <clears throat> Clarice says, can you give more advice about Central and South Florida? Sure, ask a question specifically. I'll, I'll help you how I can. Um... 
the thing is, I'm, I'm not a beer snob. Um, I mean, I like IPAs, oatmeal stout. I like Guinness, but I also like Miller High Life. I really honestly just... Um, Miller High Life, the champagne of beers, uh, if you put a slice of lime in it, it almost tastes like Corona. So, hey, Laura. <laughs> All right, so... Um, Let's talk about the best gardening method. I know, what, what's his name? The one guy that says, discussion actually starts at 6 minutes and 23 seconds. So you can skip all of his singing, the mic static, and me talking to everybody. Um, but let's talk about the best gardening method. What is the thing that you really have to do? Won't you just give me an answer? Give me a sign. Tell me what's true. Tell me the only way to do why everyone has their own method of doing. There's got to be one way to plant a bean. There's got to be one way to set up a trellis. There's got to be one way to fertilize. And if you tell me there's more, I know that it's lies. I know that square foot gardening is the only way. I know that bio-intensive is actually the only way. I know that aquaponics are probably the only way. Because they're complicated and they look like science. <laughs> tell me what's true. This must be a single way. That will make me smarter than everyone in my town. Okay, so, how about zucchini and squash? Clarice wants to grow zucchini and squash in Florida. Florida gardeners, anybody want to tell Clarice about zucchini and squash in Florida? Oh, man. Turn the gain on the microphone down. Just maxing it out. All right, let me see it. I got it. All right, so, I'm going to blow it out. What's the best way to garden? Well, the best way to garden is to just slam your garden right into the red, man. Okay, so what is the best gardening method? Well, I'll tell you, I have been writing gardening articles since, uh, for, for nine years. But I actually have been gardening since I was six years old. So I actually started writing about gardening uh, nine, nine years ago. And I tell you what, I have tried so many different methods. You know, you know where you, you hang a tomato at the bottom of a pot? You know where you uh, drilled a big hole in a stump and planted a cabbage into a stump? I've helped people put in their culture. You know, they have a big culture garden. Somebody wanted me to supply them a bunch of plants for culture, So, you know, went over and planted a culture. Um, I designed, I did a few square foot gardens for my wife. I decided to grow strawberries and blackberries and multiple varieties of raspberries and mulberries, like every berry I could find for Florida, I tried and tested the different things. I did vertical gardening where I, I grew cantaloupes on a fence. I grew pumpkins up a fence. Um, <clears throat> I have done the John Jeevens, the full-on double digging, intensive spacing with just compost. 
I have made the complete organic fertilizer from Steve Solomon's book, Gardening When It Counts. Um, I have done so many different methods of gardening. And, and you know, the, the one that I'm on right now that I'm researching is the, the centropic agriculture stuff. And, and that ties into the food forest things that I've already done. But already, I'm kind of absorbing some of the centropic agriculture ideas but I'm tweaking it and changing it as I go because as, as I was talking about with my wife last night I am not a um, I'm not a systems person I don't like it when somebody gives me a specific system on how to do stuff I find it uh, I mean I appreciate the input but I always like to play around with whatever system I get I, I don't like really fo following directions so it's kind of it's kind of difficult um, thank you, Awesome Pack 80. Really enjoyed your lives. Enjoy your lives and vids. I've learned so much. First garden this year, and I'm so excited. Ah, hooray for the first time gardener. Good work. I love it. I, it's the best, isn't it? It's so much promise. So much fun. Thank you, BG. BG says, what is the best nitrogen fixing tree for Florida for a canopy layer that isn't invasive? You're going to have to tell me if you're in North, Central, or South Florida. Scott says a $10 super chat for beer money. Much appreciated. I will buy more beer. Thank you, my reformed brother. Um, <laughs> because I'm a rebel, Laura says. Yep. I'm a rebel. Um, I basically think the wrong side lost every single war in all of history. I think that whatever the minority group is, it's probably the right one. You know, it's ridiculous. No, that's not it, though. That's um, I think what it is is that I, I am I'm interested in the, like I said the other night, uh, I'm interested in the philosophy of gardening and the, the learning process more than I am in having a system delivered to me. I can deliver a system to you that I know will work in Florida, like I did with Totally Crazy Easy Florida Gardening, but I still can't help telling people to experiment. So, um, okay, BG is in Deland. Best nitrogen fixing tree that is not invasive would probably be Enterolobium, Enterolobium cyclocarpum, Enterolobium cyclocarpum, or Enterolobium. I'm putting it in the chat. Contorticuum. I think that's it. I may have spelled that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever came up with that Latin name was just totally messing with all of us. So those two are not that not particularly invasive at all. They're not classified as invasive species, but you'll find them as ear pod tree. If you've ever seen the little ear pods, you'll see them here and there in Florida. Super good, super good. Um, uh, very, very, very powerful nitrogen fixer. And I was first introduced to them um, thanks to Craig Hepworth, who I think is. Uh, Florida fruit, Florida fruit grower, I think is his name on Instagram, but, but, uh, Craig Hepworth is, is brilliant. Florida, he's like Florida's plant scientist guy. He and, uh, Josh Jameson are buddies and they, they're both, they're breeding bigger mulberries right now or collecting varieties and selecting and grafting for the largest mulberries possible, which I think is a great work. But the, the, the interlobiums are very good. Now, I've used the mimosa trees. So long as you keep the mimosa trees chopped, they're not invasive. And I think that the mimosa tree is basically naturalized in Florida and is never going away. So I have no problem using it. 
Um, the black locust is also a decent one. I'm not sure about the nitrogen fixing potential of honey locust. Uh, and I really like Gluricidia sepium, but you may be a little too far for that, too far north. Sepium. And then, of course, there is Lucana. Uh, Lu I always spell this wrong. L E A Cocephala. Lucana leucocephala is a really good nitrogen fixer. It's not as vigorous or as tall as the entrolobium, but, but it's, they're all good chop and drops. Very good nitrogen fixing trees. So, <clears throat> what is the best gardening method? Now, a lot of the time, we get our gardening methods from other people. Almost nobody starts I mean, nobody would start with an idea of how to garden. There hasn't been somebody that's been set up with a garden and told what to do since Adam and Eve, probably. Um, they were, God planted the garden and put, placed them in the garden and said, all right, you guys tend it. And they screwed it all up. So if Adam and Eve screwed it up and they were perfect, you don't have to worry about it. You will screw it up. You will screw up whatever system you get. But to add a complication to the system, the design for a garden is going to be sold to you by an enthusiast of a particular style in a particular region with a particular personality and a particular set of crops. So let's say you had a deep mulch garden and deep mulching. I had the most amazing gardens in Tennessee thanks to deep mulch gardening. I piled up materials. And I had this hard rocky clay and it turned into the most beautiful loamy worm rich soil over the course of a year. It was beautiful. And I was talking to Stephen Edholm, the uh, skill, skill cult on YouTube. And he said, if you do that where I live over on the left coast, he said the syphil, the syphilins, what are they called? They're like syphilins. They look like a, um, they look like some sort of little demented centipede, but they chew the roots of everything. He said, they live in organic matter and they'll eat the organic matter or, or, or tunnel through it, but they'll also get into your roots and your plants and they'll just tear things to bits. So you may end up with horrible problems with these little chewy creatures. So if you read a, if you read a book from somebody in North Carolina who says, this is the way you should garden. You should build a bed that's four feet wide and it's eight feet long and you put down a layer, of, you crop the grass, you put down some manure, you throw down some cardboard, you throw down a few layers of, of, uh, of weeds and grass and whatever, whatever you can get and you stack it up and you put some compostable materials, some carrot peels or whatever, and you make a great big pile. And that is the way you're going to get the most beautiful soil in the world and it mimics nature and it's absolutely perfect. Well, you take that and you apply it over there and you end up with destroyed gardens. So if you're a new gardener, you know, uh, and you, and you take a method like that and you apply it to your climate and it doesn't work, you immediately wonder what did I do wrong? Well, guess what? You may not have done anything wrong. It was the wrong system. It's not your fault. So, um, I was talking to a farmer the other day, and the farmer was saying he wanted to get started with raising some meat chickens. And, and I know how a lot of people do this. The, the way they start with, with this is they, they borrow money, they get a loan, and they build the system, and then they start 
you know, raising the birds. And so they start in the hole already. <clears throat> so your learning curve has a huge amount of pressure on it. You know, when a pandemic sweeps the world, it's not the best time to start gardening. It is the best time to be gardening, but it's not the best time to learn gardening because it's, it's a terrifying time and you feel like your future food security may be based on your gardens. And that's a scary thing if you're just starting out and you're not sure exactly what to do. So you turn to a book and you say, please, somebody help me. Help me figure out a system that is going to be cons give me consistent results. Well, I, you know, I read Elliot Coleman's The Complete Organic Gardener for the first time. I always thought, well, Elliot Coleman, I, I don't know how much I'm going to learn from Mr. Coleman because he's in a northern climate and he does like the four season gardener about how you can garden in greenhouses and I'm like man I got a I got a four season I got like an eight season garden you know because I live just near the equator so um you know I'm like how much can I learn from this well I actually learned quite a bit from the book it's it's useful um not so much learned <laughs> I mean I learned some things from the book I learned how you would market garden in Maine and, and how, to, how to keep people supplied with lettuces through the winter and stuff. It's not things that were ap, ap, useful or applicable to me for the most part, but his focus on organic practices and soil building and his, his debate between till and no-till, where he's continued with till because he hasn't been able to find a way to really no-till all of these vegetable gardens and, have, and, and meet the market need for his area. I thought it was a very good, good mental debate, and then I liked his honesty in it. And, and how he wished he could do no-till, but so far he's still tilling. But anyhow, if I was to take his method and try to apply it here, I would have a problem. It wouldn't work. That these, these things don't apply very well. And there's also personality types that go into what, you know, what is the best gardening method? What is your personality type? Are you a mad scientist? You know, my friend Mart is one of the most intelligent people that I know. And he is a constant fiddler. If you gave him a system, he would break it, pull it into pieces, rebuild it, do something completely different. You would come back and you'd be like, what are you doing? And he'd be like, I got tired of this garden space and I built a jet engine from this old car and interestingly enough, the eraser is off 1,000 pencils. And I'd be like, okay, how does it work? It's kind of dangerous. Okay, <laughs> just show me, right? Um, so you, you get, you've got people that if you give them a system, they're not going to like it. Because they're immediately going to go chop, 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 and pull it apart. So you may not be the type of person that likes a system, but those other people are like, please give me a system. And so they would gravitate to something like square foot gardening. Square foot gardening puts your garden in a box. It gives you the exact ratios. There is no, there is no variation in the soil. It's an exact mix, Mel's mix. It's an exact mix of soil. It's an exact depth. It's an exact spacing. It's even got a grid over the entire garden so you can't screw it up. It's a, it's a, engineer redesigns a garden. So I, I talked about that not too long ago, you know, what I think of square foot gardening. I think if square foot gardening gets you gardening, then great. It's not my type of system. I am much more attracted to wild natural systems 
where I can do a lot of fun stuff like chop trees down with uh, machetes and, and like way over plant. I like to way over plant and see which plants do better and which plants do worse and then chop down all the ones that do worse and feed them to the ones that do well. So, so using natural selection in a really fast manner to both build the soil and create uh, forest ecosystems. I like to aggressively prune one tree and then leave another tree alone or build a huge pile of mulch in one spot and then try a bare ground garden in another spot. So um, for me to stick to a system is not, uh, it, it doesn't go with my personality. So your personality though, maybe you're much more of a, you know, live and let live type. So you, you might like the, you know, a, a, a garden plan where you're not doing any tilling. Somebody like Charles, Charles Dowden, um, I think that's his name, right? Uh, who does the, who does the really nice peaceful YouTube videos and he's got these beautiful big gardens in England where, where he has mulched everything and the soil is full of life and he doesn't disturb the soil at all and he's like peaceful, you know, and communing with nature. Or you might be the type that just really likes to bust out the tractor and till everything under. And now, I think it's valuable. Now, some personality types are not going not gonna to think this way. Some personality types, like I said, just want something handed to them. But I think it's quite valuable to not commit all your resources to one particular type of gardening. Which brings me back to the guy with the chickens. I know that the chickens, the way he wanted to do it was set up with like, you know, a, a house with 500 birds in it to start. And I said, have you considered raising 50 and making a small system, raising 50, taking the money from those and taking whatever mistakes you learn and then applying your profits to building the next bit of the system. I said, so first of all, you don't go into debt. Second of all, if you have issues with the chickens, you can tweak the feed, you can tweak the living conditions, you can tweak how you water. You can get things right before you apply yourself on a huge scale. So if you said, you know, I'm going to become a farmer and you immediately started farming on five acres without any gardening experience, you have a lot more chance for failure, which is fine if you don't mind doing it. But some people will hit that failure and, and it'll be devastating and they'll never go back to it and they'll never garden. If you can afford to eat the failure or to not eat anything, you know, go ahead and go ahead and, you know, throw yourself into one method. But I think what happens a lot of times is we pick up a method and we think this is the end all method. It's like um, going fruititarian. You know, I knew somebody that would only eat vegan, would eat no animal products whatsoever. And she would not mix any foods at meals. So like for breakfast, she would eat nothing but peas. And then for lunch, she would eat nothing but strawberries. And then for dinner, she might eat nothing but dried apples. She was in her early 20s and her hair was falling out. But she was absolutely convinced that this was the very best method and she would not change. And it was like terrifying, right? So she committed herself to the system. So you've got some people who are like CrossFit, man. It's CrossFit all the way. Or people, people that are, you know, hardcore carnivore. I went carnivore for a month. It was awesome. Um, you know... I felt good. I I gained some I gained some muscle. I lost some money because <laughs> it's it's cheaper to grow your own food. Um, 
but it, you know, if you if you say this is the end all system, I test I test diets like I test uh, test gardens. How do I feel? How does it work? Did this work? Did this not work? How did how, what did it cost me? Do I have I have I gained weight or lost weight? Have I gained muscle or lost muscle? How is my clarity of mind? How is my focus? You know, you've got all of these different uh, systems that are potentially out there. And, and if you're the type of person that wants to be handed a system, you may grab the system and go nuts with it and then find out that it was the wrong system. You know, there's this one, one uh, carnivore girl that I follow on Instagram and she was a vegan and she posts pictures of herself as a really strict vegan compared to being a carnivore and she looks way better as a carnivore. Like she's thin in both pictures, but her face looks, looks like her skin just looks like it's, it's, it's ill. You know, she looks pale and her skin was not good because she's not getting enough collagen and that sort of thing. So, so what, what you do, right, is read as much as possible, absorb as much information as possible because you want your gardens, to borrow another term from Nicholas Nassim uh, Taleb, to be anti-fragile. You want to, you want to experiment with multiple methods. I'll give you a story about a really bad misapplication of a method. There was an organization that was dedicated to helping people in, you know, in underserved nations, people without much in the way of resources and teaching them to have a sense of entrepreneurship and to feed themselves and learn how to dig their own wells and that sort of thing. So it's a very, it's a very good organization. But one of their projects that I got to, got to look at was an aquaponics project that was set up in a tropical nation, tropical climate, um, borderline rainforest. And I saw the way it was set up and and realize that where they have put this it may work you know say if you were in an urban situation and you had uh, warehouses or you had like industrial waste space where you didn't have ground to work with where you didn't have a really consistent climate or decent rainfall or that sort of thing but the idea was they were they were purportedly tar targeting uh, food security and they wanted to get people on you know entrepreneurship to grow food and also to have food security but they're growing in a system that basically grows lettuces peppers herbs and that sort of stuff and it was very complicated it, for the for the culture right this is a culture where people use their machetes and they clear a piece of ground and they chop stuff down and they dig holes and they plant yams, they plant cassava, they plant maize. And, and, and it's simple and they plant along with the phases of the moon and when the rain falls and they spend as little money as possible because all the, you know, everything is, everything that's imported is expensive and there's not a lot of local manufacturing, etc. And so you give them a system that is a whole bunch of PVC and a pump that requires electricity and it's beds that will grow you a, a round of lettuce, but there's also fish in it, and the fish die regularly, and you have to know how to take care of the fish. You could do better 
spending a few pesos on a breadfruit tree and planting one breadfruit tree than you would creating this, you know, $500, $1,000 system that produces lettuces all the time. It doesn't deal with food security. It doesn't work with the climate. It doesn't work with the rainfall that's already there. You know, they're talking, you know, one of the guys was saying, but it saves so much water. I'm like, this is almost a rainforest. I mean, if you want to save water, build swales and do an agroforestry system so the water stays in the ground. That fall is falling from the sky. You know, so the, so the system is wrong. The system is wrong for the climate. Uh, and, it, and it's wrong for the people. And so, you know, I gave, I gave my two cents as a consultant and they're like, we can't change now. We have too much invested in it. We're already teaching this system. But they had no working systems that were actually viable and producing a good amount of, of food. It wasn't working with the people or with the climate. They had to hire a guy every day to go over and feed the fish. Didn't work. Now, see, if you plant with the rains and with the moon and how, how you're used to planting for hundreds of years, you can, you can dig a bank and plant yams in it and walk away for six months and then come back and dig yams. You cannot walk away from this complicated system. So the love of the system, the system seemed like this is really the system. This is the most scientific and cool system. And everybody that saw it locally was fascinated by it because it's got bubbling water and, you know, pipes and tanks and all this kind of stuff. So, you know, looking, looking at this kind of thing, you got to make sure that you're not committed to a system that is the wrong system. Don't get fascinated with a system for the system's sake. The system is fascinating. It's beautiful and it bubbles and it's very attractive and, and it looks really cool and it looks like science, but it's, it's way more complicated than it needs to be. So I, I'm very, you know, I'm reading a book on uh, hydroponics right now. And the guy that wrote the book on hydroponics is like, this is the end-all system, you know? And this is, this is the way to grow food. And I'm reading it and I'm going, man, this is complicated. This is not my kind of system. This is a lot of plumbing. You're basically a plumber who gets to do a bit of gardening. And now I, I see applications for it and uses for it, particularly in urban areas where you can stack a lot of stuff inside of an area and maintain the proper uh, levels of of light and temperature. If you were in Detroit and you know you, you didn't have space to garden, you could garden in a big empty building and probably grow a ton of food with, with systems like that. But the amount of investment of time and resources at the front end compared to what you get out of it is like, eh, you know, you got to really crunch the numbers and stuff. So what I recommend, yeah, it's over engineering, absolutely. Um, if, if I was going to do if somebody said, would you use, you know, water gardens? I would not do aquaponics. I would create, I, would, I, I like to simplify systems. I would create a pond that is big. Stock it with a few fish. Let the fish stabilize until their population is where it's supposed to be according to the oxygen that's in it. So I don't have to constantly pop, pump oxygen into the system. I don't want to play, you know... Um, mother to a whole bunch of fish that are going to die on me if the power goes out for 24 hours. And then I would I would use some of the water from the pond. I might use it to irrigate some other stuff. That's about it. 
I would use the pond to also grow aquatic plants because there are quite a few productive plants that grow in aquatic systems that are edible and useful. You know, like what is it, water mimosa, um, uh, water spinach, Ipomea aquatica, Ipomea. And uh, there's, you know, what is uh, Nilumbo, water lilies, uh, water lotus. You know, there's, there's some useful and, and beautiful plants that you could put into the system. But I want the system to basically maintain itself with some rainfall. So what I, what I think you should do with determining the best gardening method is to read these diff different authors and test on a small scale and see how it works for you. So instead of saying, I'm going to just go full on deep mulching, do a deep mulch bed and do a bare soil bed and plant, you know, plant one that's uh, tight spacing and plant one that's, that's looser spacing. I just did some, some experiments with corn spacing and I found that if I put three corn plants next to each other, the one that's downwind, the ears fill out and the other two do not. So the one that's furthest downwind gets all the pollination. But if I plant a block of corn, they're all they're all pretty fine. So you you experiment with these systems because it doesn't really uh, it doesn't really cost that much to mess around with them, and and to say okay, I'm going to try a square foot garden and I'm going to try a wider space garden. I'm going to try a garden that's irrigated with rain. I'm going to try one that isn't. If you know somebody that's in your area and who is gardening very well and very successfully, I would figure out what their method is and borrow it. You know, like if you have an expert that's local to you or somebody that you follow on YouTube that has, you know, uh, a similar climate to you and and has a system that's appealing, you know, go ahead and follow that system and see how it works because that may take some of the legwork out so you don't have to do so much experimentation. But I tell you, there are things I love and things I don't like about a lot of these systems. With the square foot gardening system, my wife liked it because she really likes the organization. She really likes to follow charts. I really don't. I took the square foot garden and I just sprinkled seeds all over the top of it and made a big mess out of it. And she's like, no, you don't do it that way. I like plant 15 different species and let them fight, you know. Um, <laughs> but I had tilled up an area and put some cow manure on it and then just threw seeds over the whole area and then just ate salads out of there for like three months. Uh, but everything was, it was an insane crazy mess of stuff she didn't like that at all she really liked her system so if you're if you're not comfortable with going crazy or planting a big food forest or something like that maybe square foot gardening is the way you go but i would do a square foot gardening and 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 then i would do another one and what i would also do is try perennial gardening and i would try different crops and try different seeds every single year and then the ones that are real winners take those and and double down on the wins so what you're doing is you're trying to catch the best luck possible by putting a bunch of little nets out there. You're gonna grab as many different things as you can and see how it turns out for you. So you get a little bit over here and a little bit over here and a little bit over here and then you find, wow, this variety of bean tastes much better and is much more productive. That bean stays. That's part of my gardening system now. And so, you know, that might be the, the you know, the Gloria garden the Gloria gardening system and you find that mulching with the leaves off of your clump of bamboo your ornamental bamboo if it's dropping all kinds of leaves and you find that they make a really nice fluffy mulch and everything seems to like being under them well that's what you do so you mulch with bamboo and then you write a book and you tell people this is the only bean to grow and you have to mulch it with bamboo from Buddha's belly clumping bamboo 
it's very easy to do that. It's very easy to think that you found the, the end-all method just because it really works in your backyard and your climate with your personality. It becomes the one thing. You know, it becomes the one thing. So, hey, Scott, have a good night. Thank you. Um, Robert says, what plants are really quick at growing that are also easy to grow too? Uh, it's very hard to go wrong with bush beans. Collard greens are usually really easy. It's going to depend on your climate though. It varies from climate to climate. If you want a really easy to grow fruit tree just about anywhere, mulberries. Mulberries are fantastic, super easy. They produce very quickly. If you start them from cuttings or they're grafted, if they are started from seeds, they can take eight to, eight to 10 years to produce. But if you get them from cuttings or from grafted ones, they're, they're, they're very, very fast fruit tree. Uh, peaches are also quite a fast fruit tree too. I actually got a, a, a peach tree to uh, bloom in 18 months from seed. Couldn't believe it. Crazy. Um, Betty says, wasn't here in the beginning and cannot see comments, but this is what scripture talks about. Not keeping eggs in one basket, but diversify. Yeah, yeah. Sarah says, then you can be right and everyone else is wrong. Sheesh. That's right. The only thing to do in your garden is to mulch with Buddha belly bamboo. Look it up. Order it from your local nursery. Buddha's belly bamboo leaves and tender green bush beans. That is is the surefire only best way to garden. So, <laughs> I don't know who Big Sid is. Uh, let's see if I get any more questions here. Yeah, Matthew says, start with any known proclivities. Like a plumber might like hydroponics very much. Yes, quite possibly. It might make sense personality-wise. You know, do it. Um, Odd Rob says, I've got a water container with lots of eggshells soaking in it. What plants would benefit from egg water? Uh, tomatoes really like that calcium, but just about anything will benefit from a bit of calcium. But tomatoes in particular are a little susceptible to calcium deficiencies. Uh, let me see. Robert says, I want to grow apple trees. What is the timeline of growing them? Like how long after planting the seeds does it take for it to sprout, etc.? The seeds usually sprout. Well, here's the thing. With apples, you got to stratify the seeds, which means you take your apple seeds, you put them in a little slightly moist potting soil, and you stick them in the refrigerator until they grow roots. That usually takes about three months. At that point, you take the little rooted seeds and you plant them out in pots, and they start to make tops, and they'll, they'll usually grow moderately quickly, like, like two feet a year. Um, and so if you've grown them from seed, you're looking at usually five to eight years, five years if they're real happy, but eight years, six to eight years probably if they're just, just in, in moderate amounts of care. If you start apple seedlings and then you graft already existing apple trees, like mature apple trees, you, you, if there's any apple trees locally and you can take a little piece and graft them in the spring, very easy to graft. Look up my my video on YouTube, uh, Get Grafting. It's a whole documentary. I, I show three grafts bit by bit, and one of them is apples. Um, super easy. But if you graft them, then they can bloom in like two years. So that, that cuts off some of it. It makes sense to buy grafted trees generally. I really like groworganic.com. They do not pay me. I should I should advertise for them. <laughs> I, really, I really like their... They get really good stock. I think they get it from Dave Wilson Nursery, and it's the best 
bare root trees that I've ever bought worth every penny and um, every single one that I got from them lived and was was in great shape whereas I've bought some mail order nursery stuff that I've been really unhappy with Carolyn says I did a lot of chop and drop of mimosas today and I dropped it on my corn zucchini and beans and some other things fantastic Okay, search Big Sid on YouTube. Okay. Um, Arkansas says my peach tree always has mummy fruits. Any suggestions? I'm not sure if that is a disease or not. I'm not really up on, on peach tree problems. I had problems with, um, I think they were plum cucurlios, or the, the ones that get into the, the fruit, and then you have to clean all the fruit up because they, they pupate in the ground and they come back again the next year, so you have to clean all the fruit up. Not sure what's causing mummy fruit. I'm sorry, I don't have a better answer. Mama Wood says, which mulberries for zone 10B and peach trees? Uh, peach trees are a little tough, but Tropic Beauty would be probably the only one that would like it down there. Um, but I would plant seedlings from Tropic Beauty and see if you can adapt them a little better. But if you do that, you have to mulch heavily because the nematodes chew up the roots unless they're grafted. Um, for mulberries, uh, the white mulberry and the black mulberry now, what, by wet mulberry, I mean Morris alba. I don't mean literally the fruits are white. Sometimes they're white, sometimes they're black, so it's kind of a little confusing. But the white mulberries should grow down there just fine. There's some mulberries down in Fort Lauderdale that are beautiful. Um, but the the I have two varieties of black mulberry growing in my parents' place in, in Fort Lauderdale. One of them is the Sixth Street mulberry from the Edible Plant Project in Gainesville. And the other one is the dwarf black mulberry, which is a so-so selection that's sold by a lot of nurseries. Not particularly good. It's productive, but it's not great, you know. Well, thank you, Dr. Julie. I appreciate it. Uh, glad to be inspiring. That's really cool. Sean says, what was that company again? It's called Peaceful Valley, but the website is groworganic.com, I believe. Fishes of Love Life said, I want an Anna Apple tree. Heard they were the only 10B apple variety for here. Yeah, Anna Apple will grow in 10B, but actually a lot of apples will grow in 10B. Um, surprisingly enough, look up Cuffle Creek. Hey, Alejandra. Cuffle Creek apple. Look them up. He's got a book on growing apples in the tropics. It'll blow your mind. So... Ozipak80 says, by the way, thank you so much for the video you did where you mentioned how great water hyacinth can be for nutrients in the garden and compost. Oh yeah, it's it's one of the best biomass compost crops ever. Fantastic. Really, really good. <laughs> she says, I live in a bayou that is infested with them, threw a bunch on one of my garden beds with a bunch of oak leaves, and they broke down so quickly, and that bed is growing so well. If I had a pond right now, I would fill it with water hyacinth just so I could scrape them off every couple of months and use them for compost starter. They also seem to hold a lot of moisture in the ground. Like when you drop them, I think they're mostly water with a bunch of nutrients. So when you throw them in an area like around a dry fruit tree, as they rot down, they drip a lot all through the day and they, they rot down into a sludge and they feed the trees like crazy. They're so good, so good. I have not grown corn in trenches. <laughs> Dr. Julie bought all my books and read them in one week. Got started fearlessly. Good work. Like I ask you, did you buy Turned Earth, a Jack Broccoli novel? Because that is obviously my most insightful, that's my best book ever. Did you buy Jack Broccoli? <laughs> 
Ted says, hey, David, how would you deal with tiny ants sucking the life out of your seedlings in the garden? I've got a big problem with them. Yeah, they are a big problem. If they're fire ants, I, I use Amdro fire ant bait because it's the only way that I've, I've had much success, or I use Seven Dust. I don't play games with fire ants there. I hate them, and they're very destructive. Okay, Gilgamesh, that's enough about different YouTubers. It doesn't really have anything to do with what you're, we're talking about, so... <clears throat> Uh, what what did you do to get rid of plum curculio? Clean up around the trees, keep the trees cleaned of of debris and everything. Um. So, best gardening method. You know, whatever gets you started in gardening, I'm not going to say it's terrible. You know, it's just about anything that gets you started in gardening. I think it's it's quite valuable to to you know, get excited and try and method and do it. But don't be upset if it doesn't always work the way expected. Somebody that's writing a book in North Carolina is not necessarily writing a book for South Dakota and not necessarily writing a book for Queensland, you know, or, or uh, Brighton or wherever. It's, it's things, things move in, in different ways and you have different pests and different climates and all that kind of stuff. So, so what I would encourage you to do is grab what you can do you know, grab um, grab the useful pieces of each system that you come across, and and spit out the seeds. You know, whatever doesn't work. So, like currently in my gardens, I'm using aspects of biointensive gardening, aspects of Steve Solomon's stuff. I'm using wider spacing than biointensive gardening. Actually, the only thing I really picked up from biointensive gardening is the regular compost additions with double digging. So, you know, that was that was something I picked up a long time ago and have really stuck with. Steve Solomon taught me how to take care of my tools properly. You know, keep tools sharpened. It's amazing when you take a file to a shovel. So, no, it's all right, Gigglemish. Um, the, you know, uh, the the digging and, and bare ground using a hoe, that was Steve Solomon. Um, the, the mulching is Ruth Stout, and uh, the chop and drop is Jeff Lawton. And now I'm learning from Ernst Gosch, the uh, Centropic Agriculture guy. There's just so much, so many bits and pieces you can use. No matter what situation you have on your property, there's probably a gardening method that's really going to work in that area. Like I had an area that had some bad rocks on them. So what I did was I threw down some tires over that area and I stuffed some rotten wood and coconut husks inside of them, threw some dirt on top, and then I planted squash on them. So there you go. Uh, it's It was like... I have a method that will fill this area. Do I like tire gardens for a main method? No, not at all. I don't even really like gardening tires that much. But I wanted to get food in the ground quickly, and I just there was just some tires by the side of the road, so I picked them up and threw them down there. You know, um, you can use it. No, I don't do. I don't really do anything about. Uh, I have not grown marijuana or even tried it. So, <laughs> I mean, you could talk about it, I guess, but I don't have anything to do with it. Um, and I and I have no advice for you. I do not grow comfrey. I have not been able to find it here, and I had it did not do very well for me in Florida. The, the The common varieties that were sold did not do well, though. Some some folks that went to my South Florida food forest talk had comfrey that was doing really well in Florida. Instead of comfrey in Florida, I use moringa. So um, I think you know again, it's the permaculture folks from further north are like comfrey is 
That is your nutrient accumulator, amazing nutrient accumulator fertilizer plant. But then you go to the tropics and it's like suffering in the sun. It doesn't want to grow and it dies back. So, you know, Moringa, man. But if I was like, listen, Paul Wheaton, you need to grow Moringa. Stop talking about comfrey. Moringa is way better. Works way better, way, way, way better nutrient profile than comfrey, man. He can't grow that stuff any more than I can grow good comfrey. So you got to really watch it, you know, so. Um, <clears throat> I love the caps lock. Love it. Oh, Julie, thank you. That's really funny. I, I hope you enjoy it. Turn to Earth, the Jack Broccoli novel is the world's first gardening thriller. And uh, the follow-up is, I am actually starting on the follow-up again. I just have a little bit more work to do on it, and then i got to get the illustrator working on it. But I had to finish my book, Florida Survival Gardening, before I did it, because I felt it was important for everybody. So, um, Yeah, the, the thing with the... With the uh, <clears throat> very I'm, I'm going back up to the... Uh, Annalena says... Water hyacinth is an invasive species here in South Africa and very difficult to control. In one of our dams, it depleted almost all the dissolved O2 and its growth was compounded by eutrophication. Yeah, it's it's a terrible invasive. It's a fantastic compost. So you're taking something that's a pain in the neck that grows like crazy and using all of its hard work and all that biomass to make compost. If they just stripped that stuff out of that dam and used it for fertilizer... It, it would be, it, it could turn something that's a real big problem into an asset. It just has to be done in a way that makes sense instead of just like greenwashing it. A lot of times what we get is greenwashing where, where they're like, this is, this is sustainable. I mean, Michael Moore just did a new, a new movie exposing how companies are greenwashing things that really make absolutely no sense. So, um, you can you could say look at we are going to recycle a certain amount of waste in the city but what happens with the recycling program is a whole bunch of stuff gets dumped into it that should never be put onto fields or back into gardens but it's sold as compost you know biosolids or whatever so it leaves one location with toxic waste written on the side and it enters another state and becomes fertilizer and get sprayed on the fields and then you know all the the heavy metals and garbage and hormones and whatever get picked up in the food but they're like look at that we've eliminated waste no you've moved it to another place and made another problem so sometimes if you can figure out a way to deal with a problem in one place and and make an asset out of it that's great but sometimes you need to look at root causes and say you know we shouldn't have done this to begin with there's got to be a better system you know, often centralized systems are the worst systems. And where things also get balkanized or divided can also be a problem too. Like for example, how farms, you might have a monoculture of corn and then you have a monoculture of cattle. So the corn farmer is buying all of these chemical fertilizers to feed the corn. The cattle farmer is buying all the corn to feed the cattle and then the manure from the cattle are making a big there's just big sludge pond pit that's a huge problem and when it floods it, it washes down into the river and it's so much nitrogen and stuff that's a problem we used to be you would have a farm and you had a patch of corn and you had a patch of cows you had a section of cows the cows run through the stubble they manure the field they chomp it down they clean it up and you can you can have 
a balanced system where the two things are working together, but instead you've separated two different systems and made them both less profitable or worthwhile than they should be. You know, you're trying to maximize profits, but what you're doing is actually making a less resilient system, a much less resilient system. Like we were talking about last night, you want a resilient system. Um, <clears throat> Sean says, we're looking at buying a couple of acres. Lord willing, can't wait to destroy it with many plants. Oh, man, that would be fantastic. That would be fantastic. Emma says, I wonder if comfrey grows here in Nebraska. It should grow in Nebraska. Um, there are varieties. There's a variety called Bocking 14, which is the really common one. And that's a very northerly variety. I think Paul Wheaton is growing it in uh, Missoula. Cold, cold, cold. Tex-Mex Gardener says, do silage tarps also kill cutworms? Not sure. Not sure. Comfrey grows great in Canada. That's right. Richter's Herbs is located in Canada, I believe, and they, they sell comfrey. <clears throat> so, anyhow, guys, I'm going to let you go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk on down. Um... And maybe if there's just enough light left, I might plant a couple of bananas because I brought a whole bunch. That's a little banana joke for you. <laughs> I was stalking them for a long time. So I took a few bananas and I gave them a hand <laughs> back to my place. Okay, so I'm gonna go plant some bananas. All right, guys, give me, um, give me a couple of lyrics here to wrap this thing up, right? looks like it's going to rain. I'm going to play a song for you guys to make sure that this is demonetized. And <clears throat> just a second. This is a song. I don't know if you guys are going to know it. You get extra points if you know this song. If anybody knows this song, this is from an album I, I very much like.
was right Thought I better left to find I thought it was a virtue And always being cool So when it came time to fight Thought I'd just stick beside And now the time would prove you wrong And that you would be a fool I don't know where the sunbeams and starlights begin. It's all a mystery. I don't know where the sunbeams and the starlight begins. It's all a mystery. Oh, to fight is to defend, but to surrender, I just wait. Okay, let's see. Does anybody know it? Yes, yes, Sean. Boom. Sean's got it. All right, all right. One second, one second. I gotta keep working on this song. I'm gonna see if I can find a little bit of lyrics. Oh man, I was trying to find. I was trying to find a version of it where the chords run all the way through, so I don't have to like bounce back and forth between the uh, the chords and the. Well, there we go. <clears throat> I had a really good version of it written down the other day. There we go. Oh, to fight is to defend. And if it's not, then tell me when would be the time that you would set up and be a man. Or to lose, I could accept. But to surrender, I just wept and regretted this moment. the fool I don't Instead, I let him, I 
let them win. Ah, uh, there we go. Hey, we got a seven, eight, nine. <clears throat> so I love that song. The girlfriend fighting robots. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'll turn the mic gain down, boys, and I'll play that song too. All right, one second. Fight test, you got it. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, Brad. Much appreciated. And look, at, we, we are down to 60 viewers now. Start singing, man. It's all over. Only the true fans stick around for that. And thank you for the 7, 8, 9, Betty. Do we have a 10, 11, 12? Let me see. Uh, we, we have monetized this thing. <coughs> Here we go. I'm gonna find this. I'm gonna find this puppy. Okay. Now I'm gonna check. I'm gonna do a little. Okay. Good. Got the. I got the mic. Mic test here.
enjoyed that, guys. <laughs> Biscuits. because I have to cheat on that song because it's kind of complicated. All right, let me see. I might have it on my exterior hard drive. Do you have an exterior hard drive? If you don't have an exterior hard drive, I highly recommend recommend the exterior hard drive. Exterior hard drives are portable. You can store your information on an exterior hard drive instead of those pesky interior hard drives all right let me see here <clears throat> do I have it did I put it on here did I put it on here come on come on did I stick it on here did I get it let me see I'm looking I thought I had it. 30,000. 30,000. I don't want to wing it now. Hmm. I thought I had it, guys. I don't think I have it. I, I, have, to, I have to cheat here. Nope. Sorry, I'll try to make sure that I... I uh, I put it on here so I have it. I just don't have it on this computer, all the chords and everything. So thank you for the song fund. Um, you know, it's, it's easier to 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 have the decent microphone. I'm using a Logitech, like a conference microphone on this, which is a little better than the one I was using before. But my good microphone, unfortunately, uh, is, is hooked up to my, my desktop because it's got, there's an interface box and a good microphone, and a cable that goes to the good microphone, and the microphone has a heavy stand, and it's all stuff that I would have to haul up the mountain and maybe get rained on, and so that's 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 it. I'm sorry. Sugar pie. I, I wonder if I... Mm -hmm. 
Uh, I don't have all the lyrics. Anyhow, guys, have a very nice night. I better go because I am running out of light up here, and I don't want to go down in the dark in case an anaconda gets me. And my daughter's with me, too. And I don't want an anaconda to eat her. Let me see here. Um, I want to thank, thank you guys for the super chats this evening. Much appreciated. You help remonetize this. Every time I play cover songs, man, the YouTube's going to give me a little notice. You're, this, this portion of this video has been demonetized. Like, well, there goes $2. No, somebody could have super chat me. So, Awesome Pack, BG Scott, Karen, Brad, Betty, Alejandra, Karen again. Thank you, guys. Much appreciated. Um, so, you guys have a great... <laughs> the Lo the Kinks Lola. No, because that song is against Western civilization and I refuse to play it. <laughs> Arkansas Woodcutter says, Do you want to be my 1,000th sub? Sure. <laughs> Hardcore cover of Sugar Pie. It's probably good. A little dirt bike. That's a good idea. Maybe a Vespa. That would not work here. Uh... Anyhow, you guys have a great night. I'm going to take off. Uh, God bless you all. Thank you very much for the super chats. Thank you for the company. It's really nice to talk to you all. I think I'm about out of time to plant bananas, so I'm going to get up tomorrow and plant them. But uh, I'll catch up with you guys soon. The Florida Survival Gardening book should be out pretty soon here within a week or two. I'm just waiting on the publisher to finish some stuff right now. I'm waiting for a final cover design and a couple other things. And I should really stay on top of them, which I haven't done, but there you go. And I'm going to try and finish the next Jack Broccoli novel, so it should be coming soon. My YouTube channel says, can you shout out to my son Christian? Yes! Hey, Christian. <laughs> Have a good night. God bless you all. 999! Somebody's going to beat me to it, man. All right. God bless you all. Uh, and until next time, may your thumbs always be green. <laughs>